Now you're very welcome along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning and Porik is uh, japing with me. He's uh, drawing on my lack of knowledge and uh, <laughs> he's just told me there's a plant in the studio and if I can name it I can bring it home and I said I think you'll be bringing it home with you. Anyway, good morning Porik. Good to have you. Good to have you with us today. And listening to your forecast it's uh, and I looked at it last night the long range forecast is for excellent gardening weather so we're back to good weather again uh, after a, quite a windy and stormy two days uh, and, and a lot of damage well I won't say a lot of damage done but certainly uh, chatting a bit. To, a bit of damage a bit of damage yeah customers were ringing me to see what to do with their their various plants so if you've got uh, and you will have your garden is going to be strewn with leaves and, and bits of debris and so on but if there are any trees that have been damaged and I, ha- I had a couple of callers that rang me about trees that have fallen over broken branches uh, or whatever then definitely prune back anything that has been damaged any broken stems any damaged limbs they can be pruned out now you can do that sort of pruning at this time of year so anything that has been damaged physically damaged certainly trim it back tidy it up many trees will will shoot again uh, as long as there's there's uh, enough wood and, and stem and and, and uh, to for the leaves to come back on anything that has been flattened completely at ground level it, it was obviously dead and, and broken and, and will have to be replaced um, and do remember that many trees like willows are grafted when you buy a, a willow tree or a cherry tree it's two different varieties of trees so if the stump is left it's only going to grow back as a wild willow or a wild plant so anything that's been damaged at soil level certainly needs to be removed but any kind of limb damage or stem damage and that's atypically what has happened mm. then that can be uh, just trimmed off and tidied up and unfortunately see plants are in full leaf at the moment so, so they're like a sail they're catching every piece of wind and particularly if there's ivy up on trees it tends to uh, compound the wind problem so certainly a lot of debris a lot of damage uh, you'll see some scorching on plants now as things settle down as we go into next week there'll be a lot of browning and bits of specks so on between, these. I suppose the frost last week and the bit of wind now this week exactly and and remember you like all new growth is very soft and tender so even things that we associate as being hardy and tough like beech trees and I was looking at I have a lovely um, dwarf pine in my garden and, and it was burnt with the frost and it's a real tough um, plant that lives in the in the Alps and, and tolerates kind of cold conditions but at this time year when plants come into leaf the leaves are soft and if you get frost or high wind you, of course you're going to get some leaf damage mm. so don't worry about that that plants will grow out of that particularly if you feed them with a tree and shrub fertilizer and the weather at the moment is absolutely perfect for the refeeding of plants and um, so I would encourage kind of giving a, 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 if you're doing any feeding do it now so if you need to feed your roses or feed your lawns or feed your trees and shrubs the weather conditions the soil conditions I was actually waiting for that bit of rain things were I think you and lots of other people yeah, yeah. things were just on that tad uh, will I put the sprinkler on will I not and I knew the rain was coming so um, it's actually a welcomed drop of rain dare I say it in, in May um, so certainly from a wind damage point of view it's a bit of tidying up the garden prune back anything that has been damaged give the plants a feed within two or three weeks they'll be back into growth again um, any physical damage and you will see some scorching on plants over the next couple of weeks um, so if you see that it's only down to the wind damage nothing else no disease problems to be worried about um, so that's that's the kind of weather and the weather is promised 
to pick up from tomorrow yeah. into fabulous um, high pressure again. I don't think any risk of frost. I haven't seen any frost. Uh, well, no, uh, so we've just given a, a, a notification there. Temperatures tonight, 7 to 10 degrees. They haven't really indicated as to whether we No, 7 to 10 would be fine. Yeah, uh, and it coming into this coming week when I suppose pressure comes back up, that's when we get the frost. It is, it? yeah. And, and as we slip into June, you tend to get the risk of frost tends to be very light. But do keep an eye out for it and certainly the tender plants. It is quite nippy still outside, so keep your bedding plants just in now. Um, so we've arrived in studio with some plants. I brought a kind of selection of the garden centres are back open. It's been an extremely busy yes, week. Yes, I suppose that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. it, it's un- unbelievable. And, and uh, my, one of my, my staff put it very well. She, she said that the customers are very giddy. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to be in. So they're delighted to be back. Yeah, and uh, we had one lady in our Galway store who hadn't been out in 10 weeks, <gasps> hadn't wow. left her home in 10 weeks okay. and turned up at the garden centre on Monday morning. Absolutely delighted with herself. So we'd, I thought it was great because it was that sense of feeling that the garden centres are a safe place. Absolutely. You know, that was yeah. in, that was the, the, the thing that resonated with me with her. But 10 days cocooned and, and being able to get back out and get back into a garden. So that was terrific. And that kind of summed up the week. Uh, people are certainly delighted to be able to get back, get some plants and get some seeds and bulbs and get back into their garden Gardens, and do some yeah. gardening. And the weather has been very conducive apart from the, the last two days. I brought in some seed, actually. I was just going through the seed racks this morning mm-hmm. and I thought, yeah, it's, you know, we, we tend to forget, like, it's still only May and there's loads of time to plant. And, and so that, this I was, is seed for sowing now, is it? Yeah, that we're going yeah, to talk about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, just I brought in a kind of a selection of because we uh, people have kind of been thinking it's kind of nearly the end of the summer with the good weather we've yeah. been having, um, <laughs> and and uh, it's still loads of time to sow stuff. I suppose that's kind of the point I want to make. We're only in May. We've still got six months of gardening to do, so don't be in a rush. You know, there's plenty of time to to do the gardening, but particularly for seed sowing and particularly with the bit of moisture that has come down, the bit of rain, it's perfect conditions for the sowing of seed and I brought in kind of a, cu- a couple of my favourite plants to sow. So even on the vegetable side of it, things like there's a lovely beetroot variety called Rainbow Mix which is lovely oh. for kids. Isn't that fantastic? So lots of colours and Oranges even and on the uh, on the outside they look red and the inside they're yellow. Yeah, they're all different colours of, of the rainbow in a beetroot. So here's one for the kids to sow. The seeds are large. They're very easy to sow. You can sow them directly out into the garden soil. They'll germinate in two weeks and you'll have fabulous small beets ready for July and they'll mature then to larger beets in August and September that you can store and pickle if you wish over the winter period. Um, and all parts of beetroot are edible. The leaves are edible. The the, the, the rib, the, the stems and actually the root is edible and you can pick them when they're small like a golf ball um, and, and nearly eat them raw or you can let them grow to kind of full what we're more used to the, the larger the beets large but I just thought it was a nice mix yeah, that, that rain, rainbow mix traditional things like the white Lisbon uh, onion seed that's ready for sowing now um, cabbage varieties a really good one if you want cabbage this summer is one called greyhound it's an old variety yeah. really soft it's um, you know that lovely spring cabbage or that you know lovely soft cabbage it's lovely with a bit of bacon so that's one called greyhound that can be sown now and children often find um, cabbage quite um, the taste of it quite strong there's a variety called sweetie which is being developed for particularly for children is it sweet? it is sweet it's, it's one of the sweetest varieties of cabbage. So it's got a very sweet flavour. It's a okay, leafy... Okay, and it's good green-looking yeah, cabbage. It's you a know? dark green variety, but it's actually quite a nice one. Again, for kids, if you want to get them eating their five a day, that one is particularly good. Um, so it's an F1 variety called Sweetie. Good. So it's yeah. bread for its flavour. Two variety carrots, one called Fire Wedge, which I grew last year. It's a really nice one. It's, a, it's, um, it's actually great for juicing. 
but it's it's so it's a it's a really That's nice good. variety. Yeah. And then a dwarf one, it's a the baby type. It's called Ideal. Oh, that one there, lovely for raised beds, containers thing. I also brought some seeds of flowers as well because again, it's still time to sow. Um, flowers from seed particularly annuals so things like night scented stock can be sown from seed um, nasturtiums in particular yes. and I bought two varieties because this is the time of year for doing up your hanging baskets and window boxes and containers so if you're planting them up with your traditional trailing petunias and fuchsias and all of that my advice is to stick a couple of these nasturtiums as seed into the hanging basket just to finish it off so put about five or six seed these are the dwarf varieties that only cascade about a foot or 18 inches out of the so hanging won't basket take over. They won't take over. And if you sow them from seed, particularly when you're planting uh, basket plants, so you're putting in your trailing fuchsias and your and your um, petunias and your bacopa as plants like I have here, mm-hmm. and then you sow the seed at the base. And because the seed needs two to three weeks to germinate and to grow on, the plants have established themselves really well. So the nasturtiums, there's no danger of the nasturtiums taking over. Two varieties to look for, one called tutti frutti, which is oh, easy to remember yeah. and a nice mixture of different colours a nice dwarf variety again a lovely project for children to do and even just to get them to grow nasturtiums in the garden sow the seed in the soil they'll germinate they're totally edible all parts of nasturtium is edible and um, kind of a fun little project great for bees great for uh, wildlife in general just a novel simple yeah. thing and to I do o- I always think they, they add a real lovely burst of colour they do coming towards the end of the summer the end, yeah. yeah so you're looking at kind of if you sow them now they're going to be flowering late July August September October right up to November when the frost will hammer them back and they often self-seed as well these varieties are also suitable to cover say banks and slopes or if you have an area to kind of you want to just cover off and screen off nasturtiums are fantastic, fantastic. I often re- recommend sowing nasturtiums if you grow anything in the cabbage family because the caterpillars of the white white butterfly love nasturtiums in preference to cabbage. Okay, so... <laughs> so organic growers will often take an area of the garden maybe down the end and they'll sow a, a patch of nasturtiums. The white butterfly then will be attracted to that area and Not- stay away from your cabbage. So it's a little organic a way or of doing organic it. Organic companion planting yeah, com- kind exactly. of thing. You know, you're, you're fooling the, the white butterfly that over to a different area and you're leaving, letting them to, to grow away or uh, uh, to, to uh, lay his eggs and so on. And great for kids as well just to see that happening. And another variety then called orange troika. Troika means three. So there's three different colours in this between the colour of the foliage, which you have two colours in the foliage. It's um, variegated and a beautiful orange flower. So troika. So those nasturtiums are perfect for hanging baskets window boxes, containers, that sort of thing. So it's the time of year for doing up your hanging baskets, window boxes. Um, I always advise when you're putting in the basket plants to trim them back just before, even though there's a bit of flower on them. So you've brought in two... I brought in just two fuchsias. fuchsias. These are fuchsias for the centre of the basket just to give a bit of colour. And fuchsias are great. They're a Mediterranean plant, but they love the west of Ireland. And these are dwarf varieties, perfect for pots, containers, hanging baskets. They'll give a bit of upright height, mm-hmm. but then fuchsia flowers, because they're drooping, you should always be looking up into fuchsias to see the flower at its best. Right, so, so you need if, to have them up high then. Exactly, so in a basket, they're, they're, they suit baskets so well because of that drooping nature of the flower. If they're up six or seven feet or whatever in, in height, you're looking into the flower. So you're getting the full effect. You're getting the full effect, exactly. And there's lots of different varieties just coming into flower at the moment. Yeah, that's But lovely. if you are putting them into pots and containers or baskets, I always advise pinching the end shoots out. You'll double the amount of flowers and double, double the amount of flowering period as well from the plant. 
This and our, our mystery plans, well, mystery to well, me I know, anyway. I, I, I love it. So this is a plant called, this is a lovely thing called the slipper flower or calceolaria. It's a perennial plant, often called the balloon flower as well, because the flowers are filled with air. Oh, okay. See, I'm pressing yes. them there. And, and they do look uh, almost velvet-like. Or, yeah. It's an absolutely fabulous plant and really, really easy to grow. And it's perennial, so it come back, comes back year after year. It only grows about a foot in height and will grow out to about maybe two feet in diameter. So it's lovely in a board or a bed. But to describe it for the listeners, it's got these beautiful red and yellow flowers two-toning, contrasting colours. And, and it's, they're on, produced on long stems, so the flowers actually stand up and, and, and are very dramatic. So lovely for a board or a bed, a rockery. It is perennial. It will come back year after year. And it's called the slipper flower. The slipper flower. Or, or calceolaria. Okay, yeah. um, it is. It's really, it's unusual and it's beautiful. Isn't it? Very mm. dainty. Mm. There you go. A little bit different. Okay. Uh, so they're the sort of things, you know, it's great planting weather. If you're putting in trees or shrubs or hedging, it's uh, vegetable plants. Do watch out for the slugs mm-hmm. because they're going to be knocking about with this good weather, weather. with this wo- moist weather. Right. So, so we have some... I brought you in the organic ones. So this is the one called, it's from Growing Success. It's an organic... Same as the ordinary slug pellet. Right. It's organic in nature, so it doesn't harm the bees, the blue butterflies. Blue in colour, is it? Yeah. It's actually blue in colour, yeah. It looks exactly the same as the ordinary pellet, but it's made from a different... There's no pesticide in it. It's made from a natural material. It works very effectively, um, but it won't harm the birds, the bees, children, pets, whatever. People often worry about that. Remember when you put non-slug pellets, little and often. So right. don't don't be... Uh, you know, putting handfuls on. There's absolutely no need. Small amount on a regular basis, particularly in the evening time because most slugs and snails are nocturnal and they will damage plants, uh, particularly tender plants going out now or small bedding plants. Dahlias, it's still time to plant. So brought you in some dahlia tubers. Oh, and don't they and look they fabulous? Uh, I've only recently kind of fully come to appreciate the beauty of the dahlia and there's such a variety of them. There's so many different varieties, yeah. so many different heights, so many different colours. You can get the big blousy double ones. I think these single ones are absolutely beautiful. So this is a variety called Singles Fusion and um, it's the tuber, so it's the bulb itself. At this time of year, you could actually plant it out of doors and let it grow on or you could start them inside and give them two or three weeks indoors, let them bud up and then plant them out of doors. Um, but they flower from midsummer right through till October, November. When we're back with the autumn show, mm-hmm. we're often talking about dahlias because they're still in flower that time of year. And the single varieties in particular, this one, Singles Fusion, is particularly good for bees in the garden because it's got a single bloom. The big double blousy flowers are of no use because the bees can't get at the pollen or the nectar. These single varieties are fantastic because they flower for such a long period. And that's what you're looking for to encourage wildlife into the garden. You're looking for plants that have a three, four, five month flowering period. And these dwarf dahlias are brilliant for that. So that's one called Singles Fusion. It's a particularly nice variety and very, very easy to grow. Lovely colours as well. They're just big, happy-looking flowers. Aren't they? And they're they're, uh, perfect for pots, containers, or indeed out in the garden soil. They're a hardy variety. So they're the sort of things, dear, to look at. I could go on all day about all things you (laughs) plant in the garden. Look at it. It's, It's about getting out, enjoying your garden. It's not too late for sowing seeds, sowing bulbs, doing up your hanging baskets, window boxes and containers. Um, we're still only in May, so so much gardening yet to be done. And even if you're planting out vegetable plants, 
sow some seed as well because you're you're bringing on the next generation. So we can continue to sow the seeds of all our edibles, certainly up until August, early September. So there's plenty of time for the sowing of seeds and plants in general. Brilliant. Questions on lawns, questions on uh, the bit of wind, right? So Margaret's question is fairly um, comprehensive and probably address a lot of other people's as well. So first of all, she did the three steps as directed regarding the lawn, zero osmo on the Dico farm. So uh, to cut a long story short here, uh, it it has had some effect, but not all effect. And particularly, we can still see clover and butter cup stems in place Um, so wondering you know is there more treatment needed there partial uh, removal of moss but not entirely and the other thing then is with regards to the wind that we've had any chance of uh, the high flowers that have broken things like uh, flocks daisies uh, will they come back will they shoot again so they've got the Chelsea chop they've got the Chelsea (laughs) chop yes uh, nature has has, it has 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 provided its own Chelsea chop yeah so look at this absolutely no problem whatsoever the answer is yes they will they'll reshoot again and probably reshoot actually uh, an awful lot better because they'll be bushier lower and far more colour it'll delay the flowering for about 10 days or 2 weeks but you're going to gain that uh, towards the end of autumn so nothing to worry about Mary here literally just tidy them up so get out your little hedge trimmers just tidy back any of the flocks um, just below where the, the stems have got damaged give them a feed and they'll be perfectly fine you won't know the plants within two weeks so it's perfectly fine um, and that applies to most plants just tidy them up trim back any dead any damaged stems give them a feed and they'll be perfectly okay and particularly with the sort of weather that's coming next week stuff is going to kick into growth again Lovely. so that's fine in terms of the, the three-step process mary's done exactly the right thing zero first osmo next dicofar then is the weak control normally the step is with the zero that'll kill the moss now sometimes you can miss a spot and i always advocate within a day or two go back again and just retreat if there's any green areas and you can use zero at this time of year um on on any moss that might be still remaining generally there's no need to rake it out unless it's very heavy the grass will will push through the dead moss and um, but if it is very heavy give it a, a rake with a lawn rake a special rake just to, to pull it out and reseed any areas that might be damaged the osmo then kicks in and gives it a lovely green colour and uh, once you put the osmo on you want to leave it for at least a week to 10 days to allow takes the, a little while will allow the weeds to start to grow because the fertiliser actually gets the weeds softening up as well and the dicofer then is more effective now clover can be uh, and buttercups can be more persistent in terms of they need a second application with the dicofar. So don't cut the grass for about a week. Let the weeds show themselves, reapply the dicofar, and that'll see them off. So often many of the um, more perennial type weeds like clover, buttercups, dandelions can often need a second treatment with the dicofar. So don't cut the grass for a, a week. Allow the weeds to show themselves put on the dicofar, a little bit of washing up liquid through the mix on a dry day and that'll see them off. Okay, brilliant. Now, um, there's somebody wondering, is there a blight warning at the moment? I haven't seen and I was on Met Aaron's okay. page yesterday. Generally, blight blight needs kind of warmer conditions, so temperatures above 15 degrees Celsius. Um, you need kind of at least 24 hours of that kind of misty, moist weather. So I haven't heard a, a blight warning just yet. It's a, it's a tad early, yeah. um, so I wouldn't be concerned just yet. Do keep a, keep your ear out, but I haven't I haven't heard anything. Or jump on to Met Aaron's. Um, uh, weather forecast and they're they're generally quite good at giving blight warnings but I haven't heard <clears throat> one issued. 
Okay, the windy conditions probably maybe yeah, circumvent a small bit. You need kind of very moist, moist, humid weather for blight to be a, a, an issue. Um, and, and we're not going to get that just at the moment. It's a tag uh, cold. Okay, brilliant. Now, uh, just in terms of the wind damage, so we talked about, you know, the, the flowers, like the flocks yeah, and things yeah. like that. Uh, we're, I'm presuming the same advice goes for things like ro- hostas, roses, eucharist, yeah. hydrangea. Yeah. There's lots of different questions coming in. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same advice same across the board. Same thing applies. Just tidy them up. Just trim them back a little bit. There's no harm. Like you often hear me talk about the Chelsea chop that, and this is the pruning back of plants, particularly perennial plants like rubecchias and penstemons, the tall, leggier plants. To give them a light trimming back now helps to keep them more turgid, bushier, a lot more colour from them. So the wind effectively has done that. So it's, look, it's a tidying Lovely. up. That's the exercise for the next day or two. Okay, photograph in. Uh, this is my white flowering cherry blossom tree. It's about 20 years old. As you can see, the bark is damaged and disease is setting in. We've had a look. What can I do to cure this problem? Yeah. Uh, from AD and also wondering if we can grow artichoke from seed. Yes, you can. You can sow them from seed or from bulbs. From seed, they do take a number of years, but but they will. Um, they're, they're quite successful from seed. You're looking at probably three to four years from okay. seed before they'll actually produce the the artichokes. Um, in in relation to the prunus, the the cherry, you can see the physical damage on it. There is some canker. Mm. So what I would do is get um, some coarse sandpaper and just rub it around the area of the wound. The good news is that the the, the, the tree has about three quarters of the bark still uh, on, on you know yes. around the tree. So yeah. it's, it's, it's working perfectly fine. It's functioning perfectly fine. So it's only dam- damaged on one side. It was probably damaged where the stake actually rubbed against the tree. So it's physical da- damage there. And there's a little bit of canker on it as well. So rub that down with a bit of coarse sandpaper and you can get a heel and uh, pruning compound to actually paint onto that to prevent any bacterial canker getting on further. So drop into your local garden centre. They'll have a sealing compound to put onto that damaged surface and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay, brilliant. Now we have a photograph as well uh, of a, well, we think it's a weed. Um, You might confirm or otherwise uh, it's in the rockery. It has taken over. Uh, Maybe it's a weed. Is it a weed? weed? It is a weed. It's a weed called willow herb. Very common at the moment. It actually produces a nice little pink flower. Actually, a great, great plant for for bees. Absolutely love this plant. But willow herb is seeding everywhere and it has done an excellent job at seeding into this particular rockery. So it's time to pull it out and get rid of it. And um, so th- that's willow herb, just a, a very common weed this time of year. Very, very fast growing. And uh, it's time to get it out. Get out the garden hole. Okay. Or, or it pulls very easy as well. So just get it up. Yeah. Um, what pyracantha is disease resistant? There's a variety called flava, which is um, so pyracanthus suffer from apple scab or scab diseases which is very they're in the rosacea family similar to um, roan trees and apple trees um, so they often get the scab on the leaves and, and on the flowers as well and they can uh, damage the fruit as well so there's a variety called flava uh, which is disease resistant it's one probably the best varieties so plant that and, and um, you'll have no problem with scab now, uh, just on lawns as well, a beautiful kept lawn uh, with a picture in. We've also had a look at this. Uh, so my lawn did have moss last year, treated it, not much grass at the moment, did put lime on a few weeks ago okay. and Osmo a few days ago. Right. I mow it to a number two, very oh. specific. Right. Is that too low at the <laughs> moment, is. says the listener from Belmullet. From Belmullet, absolutely. Two is too short. It's it's you're, you're encouraging the spread of moss and you're putting the grass under a bit of stress. So bring the, the mower 
floor level up to at least three and allow the grass to grow a little bit taller. So if you're if you're scalping the grass back, uh, you're putting the grass under stress itself. You're encouraging broadleaf weeds, creeping weeds and also moss into the area. So just let it grow a little bit higher. The Osmo now will kick in. It takes about a week for it to green up and after that shower of rain, it'll really green the lawn up lovely. So just bring the blades up a little bit higher. Okay. Uh, now, uh, when is the right time to cut uh, prune back a cherry blossom tree is it now I suppose is the yeah. question and do I have to seal the branches well generally this, the, the, so first of all the pruning can be done as soon as the flowers go off the plant so now would be a perfect time to do it and if the, the wounds or if the cuts are more than four inches in diameter then put on a sealing compound very similar to the one that I mentioned mm. about the damaged and that just keeps any disease um, away from the from the cut stems so you get a, a, a prune and seal I think compound it's called and you just dab it onto the cut stem once you've pruned them and it'll be perfectly fine and, and cherries respond very well to pruning they'll regrow again and kick into back back into growth okay. so now now is a great time to prune them potato stalks a bit blackened after uh, the last few days yeah, well, we... they, got, they got a lick of the frost um, uh, you know last week uh, potatoes in particular and my advice at the time was just to trim trim below the damaged area potatoes have this great ability of regrowing again from beneath the soil so just take off any damaged foliage and they'll reshoot again. Excellent. Now, can Porik recommend uh, what type of flowers can be used for pots on a grave? It's a very exposed area and there's lots of wind. Okay, we'll look for something that's going to be really low growing. Alpines do really well. Campanula is lovely. Remember the Campanula Porto I brought in last week? Yes. Beautiful blue flowers. Very, very compact. Very good in wind. Uh, so it's quite a good plant. Gazinias do really well as well. I brought them in probably last year. Big orange flowers. Very tough, leathery-leafed plant. Very low growing. Um, does really well in graves. So Gazinias, anything in the Alpine family, so phlox or Campanulas would, would be quite good. Dianthus at this time of year. So pop into your local garden centre. Look at the Alpine range of plants. Saxifragias, for example, do very well in the perennial. They come back year after year. So something low-growing, kind of hardy foliage, alpines in particular, would be a good choice. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Anne, Rowan, good morning to you. You have a question on potatoes and you're wondering, can you send in a picture on WhatsApp? You most certainly can. 087 and we'll have a look at that for you. Uh, I have a 10-year-old white thorn hedge that has never flowered, Borak. No. That's unusual. Well, it depends on, on when the listener is, is cutting it. So the time to, to um, prune white thorn is just after flowering. So any time from kind of July, August sort of period is the time to, 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 to prune it back. But uh, yeah, they're generally reliable unless the listener is keeping it really tightly trimmed and mowing it back because it flowers on the previous season's growth. So if you're cutting it too much, you're cutting away the, the, the shoots that would bear the flowers. But normally August is, is a good time to prune um, Critagus okay. or, or white thorn back. Okay, great, prune sir. the young growth, young growth on us, yeah. Now, Mary has sent us in a photograph of a very healthy-looking shrub. It's kind of golden in colour. Uh, so, wondering, do we have... Oh, yeah, that's the, yeah. the, that's the spirea, spirea gold flame. A lovely plant, really good bright yellow foliage at this time of year and it'll actually bear a pink flower later on in the summer. Really easy plant to grow um, and it's a sort of plant that responds again from a good trimming back in the winter time and it tends to um, encourage a brighter golden foliage then the following spring. So yeah, Spirea Gold Flame, lovely plant. 
I have a Portuguese laurel hedge that is sown around 2011. It never seemed to grow right. Some of it did and more of it just seemed to die even though it was fed and looked after. I need to take it all out and replace it. Can I sow a different type of laurel or will it be the same thing again? I previously had an Escalonia hedge that had done very well until the hard frost of 2010. Uh, yeah, you and me both, listener. Yeah. So look at Portuguese laurel is one of these plants that needs a sheltered. I often describe it as the urban hedging plant because it does superbly in in uh, towns and cities where it's sheltered, it's cocooned, it's out of the wind and and, and misery. So it 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 sounds definitely to me that it's in the the plant in the wrong location. So Portuguese laurel will not suffer wind or or hardship. So it is an urban plant. Um, Escalonia on the other side is is was is so tough in wind and and salty areas and seaside areas. Maybe consider apple green, which is in the Griselinia family, bright green leaves, very good in wind, very tough um, takes takes the wind and takes the soil conditions really well mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite a tough plant. I wouldn't put in uh, or common laurel if it's in exposed garden because it tends to get damaged. The leaves are so big on it, it gets ripped and it gets damaged in windy areas. Iliagnus abengii, the silver leafed Iliagnus is really good as well. So the two hardy ones for me would be Iliagnus with that silver leaves, very good in wind, evergreen, easy trim, makes a lovely hedge or the apple green, which again is perfect up to five, six, seven feet and will tolerate wind as well. And will you have little flowers with that one? No. No. Okay. The, the Agnes does have a flower, uh, a small white flower, but yeah. um, with apple green you won't. The other one, if you want flower, would be fuchsia. Now yes. it is deciduous, but fuchsia makes a fabulous hedge. And you have lovely bit of colour as yeah. well yeah. For, for, yeah. for a variety. Yeah. So it's important to pick the plant to suit the location. So location comes first if it's windy or salty or seaside, then obviously you need something that's going to tolerate that. Brilliant. <coughs> now, as requested, oh, we, this was a discussion we were having, I think, last week on the programme on a Burnham tree a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Um, so uh, the listener, Jerry, has sent in a picture of uh, the tree in question. It came into bud and stopped. This was essentially the issue. Uh, he scraped back the bark and it's still very green and healthy. So not dead, I suppose, is what yeah, we're saying. Not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where do we go from there? So you can you can see from the photograph there are some buds there. It's as if the tree is, has made some effort to put on some uh, leaves on it. So my advice really is leave it, Jerry, for another three to four weeks and see what happens. Um, uh, it's certainly making an attempt to come into leaf, and you can see the buds and the, the start of the leaves. Having said all that, laburnum should be in full leaf and full flower at the moment. And if I was to put a, a wager on it, I would say it's it's not it's going to. Um, it, it's going to succumb to... It's going to die. Okay. Will be my... Will it's be, on the downward slide. It is. It is. Um, now, having said that, Jerry says a sap in it, so that's a good sign. You can see from the photograph, the leaves are trying to emerge, but it should be an awful lot more uh, in full leaf and in full flower at the moment. So my guess is that plant has sadly passed away. But leave it for another couple of weeks and let's see what happens. Okay. Um, uh, listener has a problem with the birds eating slug pellets. Every time they put them out, uh, the birds take them and they're gone in the morning. So I suppose they're not getting to the to, to their intended target, if right. you like. Well, like I said earlier, you make sure that you're using the organic uh, bird, or I was going to say bird pellets. <laughs> slug pellets. Slug pellets. The organic slug pellets, pellets, right? So that's first of all, and that growing success is a very safe one. What's actually in it is iron and phosphate so it's actually a fertiliser that's in it but it kill, it actually kills the slug so even if the birds do eat it it's of no harm to them um, bird or slug pellets are actually 
coloured blue so birds don't see them. And really my advice is put them out little and often, put them out in the evening time and, um, you know, that that the, the slugs will find them. And... Um, even if the birds do eat them, it's not going to do them any harm. Okay, brilliant. Uh, now, and there are other treatments, I should say. With with the um, there's a liquid that you can use as well, based on garlic. Uh, so it's a it's a spray that you can actually put onto the leaves of the plant, which again uh, would be very effective. You know, if if the birds continue to be a problem. Okay. Will jasmine grow in a pot? Yeah, as long as it's a big pot. Um, jasmine is quite vigorous. It's a climbing plant, so it needs plenty of space. Um, no, you can repot it every couple of years. You can grow it inside or outside, so it depends where the listener is growing it. But the answer is yes, it will. Um, lots of damaged trees. So mm. we're going to start off on the damaged trees, pork with a pear tree that blew over in the wind. So it's not fully down. No. Wondering, can it be saved? Yes, it can. So, so trees like that that have actually kind of keeled over, they're maybe at a 45 degree angle, push them back into um, situ again. So lift them back up, put them back into situ, stake them well, and maybe take some of the branches out, lighten the canopy to take the weight out of the tree as well. So that pear tree, certainly I would just push it back up into place, put two new stakes on it, stake it well, take prune out some of the heavier branches and that'll lighten the, the canopy of the tree and it'll re-root again. There was also a picture in there on... With a laburnum, a laburnum. from B. Sligo. Yeah, and again, you can see it's in full leaf but it's keeled over and that's typical laburnum. That's fully gone. Yeah, they're, they're in the pea family. The root structure isn't really good and that's really the point I was making to Jerry on, on his laburnum as well. Any sort of root damage, laburnum, keels over or dies away very easily. Now, we've got a selection of uh, some cuttings, shrub clippings yeah. uh, that were given to somebody wondering what it is. Yeah. So we think it's mint. <laughs> it is. It looks like mint to me. Don't put it in the ground, no, listener. Put it, it into yeah. a pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So make sure it goes into... So it's a, it's a perennial plant. You'll know by the scent of it. Once you yeah. crush the leaf, you'll smell the, the fabulous uh, mint smell from it. But make sure you put it into a pot, yeah, because it's going to spread like mad. Now, we have a picture of a lovely lawn, um, but it was sprayed with pistol mm. weed killer about three weeks ago. The whole lawn now looks quite yellow and uh, we're wondering, have we killed the grass? We have. So pistol, pistol is, a, is a herbicide or, or yeah, a, a herbicide, a weed killer to be used on gravel driveways. It's a, it's, a, it's a contact and residual weed killer, which means basically it's used to control weeds on gravel driveways, pathways, patios. It's not a lawn weed killer and, and shouldn't be used in the first instant on your lawn. So it's, anything that you've sprayed is actually damaged. And the worrying part is that the actual, it's residual. So if you sow fresh lawn seed, it's not going to germinate. It's going to stop that from germinating for at least six months. So it's a bit of a mess, to be honest. I know, and it's a beautiful lawn. Yeah, and this yeah. you know goes back to the, you know, the use of herbicides and weed killers. You, you've got to read the pack and get some advice. And Pistol really is a professional um, weed killer. It shouldn't be used by us amateur gardeners it's a it's um generally used it's by golf course managers or kind of a or more commercial more commercial landscapers yeah so it's a it pistol is a is what we call it it's it's used basically for hard surface areas not for lawns so stick to your dicofar or green force from hygia um, work really well on the lawns brilliant is it safe to use water retention gel in containers for a veg and salad yeah. or would it make them unsafe to eat no 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 oh, no not at all so the crystals the granules the listener is talking about store moisture they're actually the granules that are used in in nappies 
Oh. Right, so what they do is they absorb moisture. So they're perfectly safe. If they're good enough for the baby, they're good they're enough for, for the plants. So yeah, no danger whatsoever. What they do, they're like sugar granules. You mix them into the compost. They absorb moisture 10 times, 15 times their own size and release that water back into uh, the compost again. So they're perfectly fine for herbs and edibles. Yeah, great okay. way to cut down on your watering during the summer. And uh, on a similar theme, uh, ericaceous plant food. Can we use that on all plants? Yeah, so ericaceous plant food is generally designed for camellias and rhododendrons and Paris forest flames or ericaceous plants. But you can use it on other plants as well. It is a, a fertiliser at the end of the day. It tends to be high in, ni- in iron, in iron um, so you get a lovely greening effect from it. Now, if it's flowering plants, I would... Uh, opt for something high in potassium like tomato feed or blooming magic which would be more suitable but having said that if you put some ericaceous feed on your ordinary traditional plants they'll be perfectly happy okay brilliant um now uh we got a lovely photograph in of some uh well not some quite a few in fairness seeds that have been planted last week and the listener is chuffed we don't have a name to go with this uh but there's sunflowers poppies pansies Canops, flocks, yeah, sweet pea—they're coming on nicely. That Fabulous. they are. Should they leave them uh, for another couple of weeks or put them into bigger pots? Uh, no, no. There's plenty of room yet. We had a look at the picture. Now they're actually leaning over towards the window. You mm. see how they're actually leaning at kind of a forty-five degree angle. So the listener needs to turn them around to face in towards the house and the stems will straighten up again towards the light so no harm to kind of um, switch them around every couple of days so that they're getting light on both sides but the pot sizes are perfectly fine um, even to the extent until the plants are ready to plant out into the garden so I would leave them in those pots no need to transplant them they're all in single pots and, and they look fabulous be just careful on the watering they're a little bit leggy so just hold back in the watering a little bit so keep them on the slightly dry side because they're in quite large pots but you've got a lovely mixture of plants there and many of those are bee friendly plants echinops so, and, and sweet peas sweet. and all and of those and sunflowers sunflowers absolutely yeah plant them out about the, about the second week of June so keep them in for another maybe three weeks. Perfect. Um, my tomato plants are still inside the window of my shed. Why is the top of the main stem curling like a shepherd's crook? Asks <laughs> Michael. Great description, Michael. Well, tomatoes will do this. This is called leaf curl on, on tomatoes. So the stems of the leaves will curl when temperatures fluctuate up and down. So when you get this sort of weather where we're having kind of warm days and then followed by cooler nights, you get this twisting on uh, tomatoes. They tend to go kind of a purplish colour as well and become twisted and contorted. It's absolutely no problem whatsoever. Now the shed isn't the ideal uh, location, Martin, for the plant, unless the shed has got a really big, bright, sunny windowsill. So um, if you could put it in maybe close to a porch or somewhere a little bit brighter, because tomatoes will need plenty of light from now on. We're coming up to the time, certainly in the next two weeks, where you can be putting them outside. Um, it's a bit windy and blustery at the moment. Give it another two weeks, you could be getting it outside. So that's leaf curl on tomatoes. If people have them in greenhouses and tunnels, um, you'll notice that kind of... Uh, it's like the leaves are going to be a bit contorted and twisted but it's totally natural and it's just down to the weather conditions more than anything else Is the organic slug pellet hedgehog friendly? Yes Oh yeah the hedgehog can eat is perfectly fine as well So basically what it is so the old traditional slug pellet had a thing called methyl hydrate which was a pesticide in it um, and was damaging to birds and and slug or uh, hedgehogs and so on The new formulations like the growing success is very very safe to use Okay I'd hate to tell you but there was a rep 
at a trade show they used to eat it <laughs> in front of me <laughs> that's how safe it was I'm not advocating that now but that's how safe it was okay so here we've got a picture of a box hedge oh okay. my goodness uh, uh, is is it is there life in this box hedge since yeah. I cut it back last August okay so they've cut it really really hard back and you can see the dead foliage right at the, at the centre and towards the edges there's lots of healthy growth around the, the base of the box hedge so again give it a good feed box is very very slow growing um, so give it a feed now feed it again in about four weeks time and it'll be fine okay out of that. Uh, so in bluebells at this time of year would be so bluebells even well the bulbs won't be available now if you can get the plants if you can get bluebells and you can dig them up and transplant them yes you can you can certainly transplant them at this time of year uh, but generally the bulbs are sold in the autumn so look for the bulbs, you know, anytime from kind of... When we sold, say, sell daffodils, the bluebells are available then. OK, a listener, I know we were talking about the, the lovely uh, dahlias there at the start of the programme. Uh, do you have to lift the dahlias at the end of the season um, that are planted in the ground or will they survive the winter planted outside? Depends what the winter is going to be like. It's as simple okay. as that. Some, what's, the, what's the good advice? Uh, the good advice is to lift them because the, the benefit of lifting them is that it gives you the option then in the springtime of dividing them and making more. So if you've got two or three dahlias you can end up with 10 dahlias the following year simply because you can divide them and split them and transplant them again so the safest thing is always to lift them in November store them inside over the winter period and pot them up in February and March to plant out then in early June some people leave them in the ground and they get away with it it depends if your soil is very heavy and sticky my advice is to lift them and take them in if you give nice dry soil um, that that you know doesn't get excessively wet in the winter they tend to survive very well or you can put a mulch over the top of them as well okay maybe do a bit of both now we have mm. a photograph of a golden lalandii yeah. hedge uh, have they definitely died yeah. it's quite a long hedge it this is. one yeah. um should i start taking them out asks the listener yes. in hollymount absolutely so just just the hedge is probably about 30 meters long and certainly 25 meters of it are completely brown and dead so that's not going to reshoot again so my advice would be to replace um, replay, take them out and, and replace it and you can get, if you're going to replace it say with something like apple green or, or laurel or something like that, you can actually get them quite large, 5 foot or 6 foot so you don't have to start with baby plants again if you want to get a kind of bit of instant screening. Okay, uh, now um, can you tell me, will my rose flower this year after having green fly last year, which left the leaves wrinkled and have you got vegetable plants in stock? Yeah, the vegetable plants are available. It's quite limited actually at the moment. What, what's um, So we have things like runner beans and peas and um, salad leaves and plants like those at the moment. In terms of the rose, yeah, the, the, the aphids, it's only a temporary setback. I presume the listener has pruned the rose back, given it a feed, put on the rose clear now because the aphids are knocking about and keep them clean. So keep them treated and um, it'll be, of course, they'll, they'll flower this summer. Okay, so this is uh, in a pot yeah, and the person thuya. thinks it is a thuya or a form Thuyas. of a thuya. Yeah. Wondering what height will it get to and where I should plant it. It came as a greenery in a bouquet of flowers. Brilliant. Oh. A couple of weeks ago, or years ago, I stuck it in a pot and hey presto. Yeah, no, it's a thuya and you know thuyas because if you crush the leaf, it smells like pineapple. So that's a, a real sign too. It's got that lovely pineapple smell. In high 
height is probably going to grow to about 12 to 14 feet so um, you know somewhere that, that you can allow it to grow to that and in width it'll grow certainly 6 feet in diameter so give it plenty of space but now is an excellent time to plant it out of doors OK just one or two more I'm yeah. afraid before we finish up a picture of a tomato plant Brilliant. in uh, looks very healthy indeed yeah. do I pinch out the side shoots they're dwarf plants but they but don't know the variety well if they're dwarf there should be no need to prune back the side branches so typically with tomato plants like Gardener's Delight or Moneymaker they're tall 6 foot 7 foot plants you take out the side shoots so the shoots that appear between the leaf axle and the stem you take out so you end up on a nice clean stem with dwarf varieties like Red Profusion or Tumbler or Tumbling Tom there's no need to do that they stay small and bushy so you're looking for a bushy nice full shaped tomato so if it's dwarf leave it alone it's actually a great specimen it's, it's doing really well it's probably time to repot it into a bigger pot just looking at the picture or certainly in the next week or two and just grow it in a pot for the summer Okay. But that's the beauty of the dwarf ones like like um, red perfusion you don't actually have to do any clipping or trimming you just plant them up wash what them is? feed them and you get buckets of fruit ok brilliant um, why is rhubarb gone soft and limp it was well watered and I thought it well looked after it was brilliant earlier Oh, it's unusual now they um, because rhubarb has rhubarb. Now the the conditions have been excessively dry for rhubarb. Rhubarb is one of those plants that take a lot of water, and when you're watering it, you know a small sprinkling isn't enough. You really need to heavily water the soil. So if there's any deficit with water, definitely rhubarb will go limp, and and um, you know it, it's just lacking moisture. Uh, feeding it as well a good liquid feed so give it a liquid feed and it'll perk back up again and particularly this drop of rain now will actually help it to perk up again so give it a, a liquid feed of something like a tomato feed and it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah okay now Annie Rowan we've actually found around Rowan we found your um, uh, photograph thank you for sending it in so problems with the potatoes some plants were not growing well and have produced five six or even ten stems and when we checked they have a massive roots underneath the ground uh, so we've she sent us a picture of her potato uh, okay, so we can see that there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why did this happen and can we do anything about it? No, I mean, the, the, what the listener is showing there, is, so you've got the, the, the tuber itself, so the, the person is actually holding the tuber and the new roots are coming at the, just above the tuber and that would be ter perfectly natural at this time of year. Potatoes grow upwards. So they produce their baby potatoes just above the seed potato. Now the soil around them is quite dry as well, so it looks quite dry uh, in the picture. So give that a good a good soaking. But um, they're perfectly fine. They'll start to produce their tubers now in the next three to four weeks. So leave them leave them alone. Really, okay. just a bit yeah. of time needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. They're, they're fine. They're, okay, they're looking perfect. We have to leave it at that, I'm afraid, Porek. Okay, so next week we'll be back again but remember it's still plenty of time for sowing seeds bulbs um, it's really good planting weather and do keep an eye on the weeds as well they're going to be loving this uh, the bit this of heat next week okay keep on top of them brilliant listen thanks for all of that no and uh, once again garden centres up and running and people very happy with all of that we're back again next Saturday just after 7 o'clock for me and Porek back in studio with us after 9 uh, do stand by Michael Neary on the way next the very best in country right through until 1 o'clock this afternoon here on Midwest Radio for me for the moment. Good morning to you.